The reading tonight will be John chapter 4, <clears throat> verses 1 through 26. It can be found in your pew Bibles on page 1066 and in the large print Bibles on page 1701. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Thank you, Nat. Good evening, everyone. I hope you've all had a good weekend. Have you had a good weekend? Yeah, good. Um, for those of you who don't know me yet, my name is Bex. I'm one of the leaders here, and uh, I oversee um, leadership development, women's ministry, and prayer ministry. So uh, if you're interested in any of those things, I'm the person you need to talk to. Now, I don't know if you would say that you uh, know God this, um, this evening, you might be sitting here thinking, well, I've actually been a Christian my whole life. Or you could be sitting here thinking, I'm just exploring this whole thing. I don't really know what I think yet. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. 
and I became a Christian when I was about 19 at university. Um, I was really excited about it, really excited about my new life with God. And I remember going home one weekend uh, to see my family, and uh, they were all sort of stepping back and looking at me, and sort of doing the once-over, the up and down. And then they started saying, okay, Bex, who is he? What's his name? <laughs> now, this was a little bit awkward because my family weren't really Christians, weren't really into the whole church thing, so I was kind of like, yeah, I've sort of met someone. <laughs> a little bit awkward. But um, they could see that sort of glow on me that you have when, you, when you're falling in love, when you first sort of start a relationship with someone. And um, I, I think we also have that at times when we encounter the Spirit of God. And today I want to talk about encountering the Spirit. Um, as Tom mentioned earlier, this is the fourth talk in a series um, that we're doing at the moment, sort of looking at our basic values as a church as we build our community together. We've looked at being a place of worship, a place of welcome, uh, a place of healing, and today I'd like to focus on being a place of encounter. Of course, we could do a series on each of these topics, so I won't be able to cover everything in one talk today. I think you'll uh, be thankful to hear. <laughs> when Mike introduced this series um, a few weeks ago, he spoke about encounter being at the heart of the Christian faith, and that's because relationship is at the heart of our faith, isn't it? Relationship with a person, with the still living Jesus. Now, of course, Jesus isn't physically with us um, today anymore, um, and we encounter God by his Holy Spirit, and he is often called the Spirit of Jesus. He's the one in whose dimension of life we experience God today. So this evening, I'd like to think a little bit about what happens when we encounter the Holy Spirit and what that means for us as a place of encounter and I just want to draw out a few things from the story of the woman at the well, one that we all probably know really well and um, that we just heard read, albeit in a slightly odd accent. Just kidding. <laughs> so my first point tonight is that when we encounter the Holy Spirit, he meets us where we are. Jesus is traveling with his disciples and he's on his way back from a place called Judea to Galilee. So this is what it says in verses 4 to 8. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. So Jesus meets her where she is. And you know, that's one of the things I love about Jesus. He is always wanting to meet us exactly where we are. I wonder where you are tonight. Um, at university, back, back in um, my first year at university, and uh, I went to a nightclub one night. It was quite a full-on night. The, the theme was space and people were dressed up in all kinds of shiny and sort of out there costumes. Um, and they were giving out sort of free f uh, fruit to people, but actually it had been uh, laced with LSD and various other drugs. So it wasn't a particularly nice environment. Um, a lot of my friends were quite out of it. Luckily, 
me and my friend Emma, um, who I'd sort of gone, gone with particularly, hadn't had this fruit. So we were um, completely sober. Anyway, so she grabbed me to go off to the loo. I don't know if you know this, girls don't go to the loo by themselves when they're out, because why waste good chatting time? So off we go to the loo for a chat, and we get there, and she goes, okay, Bex, um, do you mind if I say a quick prayer? I was like, right. At this point, I had no idea that she had faith of any kind. So all I was thinking was... Um, who is this religious nutter? My one normal friend is not normal. <laughs> um, so God encountered me for the first time, or I encountered God for the first time in a nightclub loo. He meets us where we are. So back to the story. Jesus is sitting down to rest at the well when the Samaritan woman approaches, and he asks her for a drink. She replies, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? Now, we know the background to this story, don't we? At that time, the Jews despised the Samaritans. This hostility dated back to the Assyrian invasion of Samaria about 500 years earlier. And when Assyria invaded Samaria, they captured the middle classes and other influential Israelites and replaced them with people from Babylon and other nations. These people intermarried with the remaining Israelites and introduced other gods and religions. They became known as the Samaritans, or the untouchables to the Jews, who viewed them as racial half-breeds whose religion was unacceptably tainted. The Jews, and of course Jesus and his disciples were Jews, hated the Samaritans. So the Samaritan woman is an outcast, um, a Jewish outcast, but she's also an outcast from her own society. How do we know this? We know this because um, in the reading it says she's going to the well at the sixth hour, which is the equivalent to sort of noon. It's the hottest time of the day. And she's alone. Most women would have collected the, um, their water early in the morning or later in the evening at the cool times of the day. And again, they would have gone in groups because... Why waste good chatting time? <laughs> so she is there um, by herself. So either she's avoiding her community or they are shunning her. Now, I don't know if you've ever felt left out or not quite in with the in crowd. I know I have. It's quite a common life experience, um, isn't it? From school to university to workplace. And if you've ever felt like that, then that is what's going on for the woman here. So when Jesus asks her for a drink, he's actually breaching social custom on three different levels. Firstly, the, the racial barrier that separates them as Jew and Samaritan. Secondly, the moral barrier, as the time of day she was at the well would have been an obvious sign to Jesus, um, from the reasons I've just um, said earlier, that she was ostracized by her community. And thirdly, the cultural barrier that at the time prevented a man from speaking to a woman alone. It would be a bit like your mum turning up on your stag do. <laughs> I am being flippant, of course. Um, and the situation back then would have been much more serious. And if you did have your mum at your stag do, then I'm really sorry. <laughs> on many levels. <laughs> Whereas everyone else judges her and separates from her, Jesus draws near and wants to speak to her. And that's, to be honest, why she's freaked out and she's asking, 
Why are you talking to me? See, he meets her where she is. Many of us can feel like that too, can't we? Who are we that God would notice us? Why are you, God, talking to me? But the Bible is full of stories of the Spirit meeting people where they are, isn't it? Remember in Matthew um, 20, verse 29, the story of the two blind men sitting by the roadside um, as Jesus is leaving Jericho. They shout out to him as he's passing, and even though the crowd do their best to kind of shut them up and move them on, Jesus goes to them and heals them. He meets them exactly where they are. What about the disciples? Jesus meets each of them exactly where they are. We know those stories well, don't we? In Luke 9, verse 1, Jesus calls Zacchaeus, the tax collector, down from the tree and goes to stay at his house. He meets him exactly where he is. So what about you? Where are you this morning? Are you on the edge of things like the Samaritan woman? Do you maybe feel beyond the reach of the Spirit? Are you not quite in with the in crowd? Are you expecting his presence? Or have you discounted him from your everyday experiences? Maybe you're like Zacchaeus, just watching from a safe place. It could be, of course, that you're totally intimate with the Spirit at the moment. But let's be honest, we all have times when the Spirit feels far away, don't we? I mean, I certainly do. And if that's true for you this evening, then what can we do practically? Well, I would encourage you to engage with him again. His arms are always open. You know, when I feel like that, um, I tend to um, tell a, a good friend, tell a trusted friend, and get them to pray for me. I remind myself of the times when God has really met me where um, I've been. Um, And I have a journal, so I might look back through that, or I might just remember those times. Uh, Sometimes I go back to the Gospels or New Testament letters just to remind myself of who the Spirit is and what he's like. And as Janie said in her talk on being a place of welcome, we can miss out on uh, God meeting us where we're at because we're too busy with our own agenda so if I'm in that space, I'll ask myself, God, you know, what, what's my agenda at the moment? What am I, what's sort of taking up that space and what's getting in the way? Because we need to be ready to encounter him and we need to be alert to what he's doing. You know, one of the things I love about this church, about St. Saviour's, is that we're a community of people who have a history of openness to meeting God um, and to, meeting, to him meeting us where we are through many different um, seasons, through many different ups and downs. We're also a church that's seeking to meet and welcome people where they are, and we need to keep working on this. We're doing a brilliant job, but we can um, get even better at that, to welcome people like the Samaritan woman who may be a bit on the edge of us, on the edge of our community, on the edge of society. We want to bring them in and welcome them. Both Tom and Janie spoke brilliantly about welcome a couple of weeks ago, so if you missed those, I'd encourage you to have a listen on the website. So my first point is that when we encounter the Spirit, he meets us where we are, individually and as a church. But when we encounter the Holy Spirit, not only does Jesus meet us where we are, but he knows us inside out. In verses 16 to 18... Jesus tells the Samaritan woman to go and fetch her husband, to which she replies, I have no husband. Jesus says, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. 
What you have just said is quite true. He might not have said it in that tone of voice. <laughs> he knows her inside out. So back at university, something clicked for me that night, and I began to see that God actually knew me. And it was a bit like having a mirror held up, um, which reflected my whole life back at me, the good and the bad. And there was lots of both, to be honest, but there were things that I definitely uh, wasn't proud of in the way that I was thinking and behaving. And not that I was out there. Um, I think I was probably quite straight um, in my student days. Um, so um, what I was expecting was sort of judgment and condemnation when um, I started to be aware of uh, the Spirit of God and the presence of God. But actually, when I first encountered God, all I experienced was acceptance and welcome and grace. When the Samaritan woman meets Jesus at the well, she engages in conversation with him. To be honest, I don't think she really has any idea what he's on about until he shows her that he knows her inside out. Now, these days, five or six relationships may not be that unusual, but don't underestimate the shame or the social ramifications for the Samaritan woman in her context. And Jesus can't possibly have been told about that by someone else. And the woman realizes that throughout their conversation they've been having, that Jesus knew the truth about her from the first moment they met, and yet he talks to her anyway. He accepts her anyway. He welcomes her anyway. It's the spirit of Jesus who exposes the truth of her morally messy past with a prophetic word. And this is a turning point for the woman who first realizes that he's a prophet and then that he might actually be the Messiah, the Christ. And this is the start of her new life with the spirit. It's really powerful being known, isn't it? And being known and accepted is even more powerful. Um, I remember talking to a friend of mine a little while after she'd got married, and she said, Bex, I've just been lying on my bed weeping. He knows me. He really knows me. <laughs> and basically, she was talking about her husband, that um, he really knew her and loved her anyway. And I don't know if you relate to that story, but um, I've spoken to many people over the years who've told me that they feel that other people, and possibly God as well, wouldn't really like them or wouldn't really accept them if they really knew them. To be honest, I've often felt this. I'm not a good enough mum. I'm not a good enough wife. I'm not a good enough friend. I'm not a good enough Christian. Many of us have done things in our lives we're ashamed of and that we feel may separate us from God. We may have gone too far, like the Samaritan woman. We may have hurt other people. We may have let anger get the better of ourselves. We may have spent huge amounts of money, had affairs, lied, or been out of control with food or sex or alcohol or gossip. Or maybe we've just allowed our spiritual lives to become stagnant. We've lost passion for Jesus, and we feel numb when we try to engage in the life of the Spirit. If this is where you find yourself at the moment, then you're in good company. Know that we have all been there. And I would really encourage you to talk to someone, a good friend, someone in your life group, or one of our trained listeners that we have at St. Saviour's, or come forward for some prayer ministry as a starting point and seek professional help 
and support if you need it. As a community, we at St Saviour's are seeking to be honest and accepting, extending grace to one another, both inside and outside of our church community. And I think we're doing really well in this. So let's take it seriously and keep working at it. This will enable more and more and deeper encounters with the Spirit, which will bring more health and wholeness to us. So when we encounter the Spirit, he meets us where we are and he knows us inside out. He knows me inside out and he knows you inside out. Our strengths and weaknesses, our joys and struggles. He sees our beauty and the truths that bind us. He loves each of us as we are, broken and wonderful in our humanity. So my third point is that when we encounter the Holy Spirit, we see that we can't do life without him. The Spirit meets us where we're at, he knows us inside out, and we can't do life without him. Jesus offers the Samaritan woman at the well living water. In verse 10, he says, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And later in verse 14, Everyone who drinks water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. So when I was about 20, I went travelling around Thailand for about six weeks, and... um, I was traveling with three boys from school, and one night we were really late for um, one of those long, sort of 15-hour overnight bus trips to get from one half of the country to the other. We um, just about made it, and we were completely relieved. But as we sort of sat down, we realized two things. Firstly, the air conditioning was broken. That wasn't good. Secondly, we had two small bottles of water about this big between four of us for the 15-hour trip also not good. (laughs) So basically after um, a little while the water was gone. It didn't last very long in that sort of sweaty Thailand heat. And uh, after 15 hours we were feeling dehydrated and nauseous and ill um, and really just uh, not very good. Um, And it's easy isn't it to take water for granted whereas actually the, the human body can only last three days without water but it can last three weeks without food. And as we all know, water and its life-giving properties is an image that's used throughout the Bible um, as a metaphor for the Holy Spirit and to talk about the life-giving properties of the Spirit. When we come to faith, God offers each of us his living water, just like he did in his encounter with the Samaritan woman. What he's really offering us is new life in the Spirit, meaningful relationship with our Heavenly Father. And anything we try to replace it with will leave us thirsty. Remember verse 13 says, everyone who drinks water will be thirsty again. And I want to ask you this morning, what is it you use to fulfill your needs, to satisfy your thirst? Is it money? Is it food? Is it shopping? What about alcohol or unhealthy relationships or sex? or power, or the celebrity world. Our culture encourages us to seek out these things. Whatever makes you feel good for a while, it's fine. And many of them are actually the marks of success in the modern Western world we live in, aren't they? But even if these things quench our thirst for a while, ultimately, they result in death. 
but the life of the Spirit, God's living water, offers real hope. It offers grace and acceptance and ultimately eternal life. So that's why we can't do life without him. The Spirit is just not optional for the Christian life. Many people say they're open to the Spirit, but what they actually mean is that they're not. They like the idea of it, but they don't take him seriously. And anyone trying to do it without him will end up living like dehydrated people with a headache, feeling lifeless and dull and not really thriving. Just as we can only survive for a short while, but will eventually perish without water, so we can survive for a short while, but will eventually perish without the life-giving presence of the Spirit. So how are you doing with the Spirit today? On a scale of 0 to 10, where 0 is you're not really seeking him at all, to 10, you're relentlessly pursuing him. Where are you this morning, this evening even? <laughs> Have a think. Are you going it alone? Or are you feeling close to him? Are you feeling nourished and nurtured by him? If you've been trying to do life without the Spirit, then later on we will have a chance to be prayed for. And I would really encourage you to go for it and allow the Spirit to fill you again with his living water. Equally, if you're at 10 on that scale and just um, completely sort of intimate with the Spirit, then I would encourage you to come and get some prayer because we can never have enough. Ephesians 4 says... Go on being filled with the Spirit. Not just be filled, but go on and on and on being filled each and every day. Someone once said to me um, when I first became a Christian, you know, it's a good idea to, to ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit every day. So I try and do that every morning, and I find it really helpful. As a church, we do know, don't we, that we can't do life without him. And we've been faithfully depending on the Spirit of God for many, many years, again through many ups and downs. And openness to the living water of the Spirit is fundamental to the health of St. Saviour's, so will be something that we are going to continue to pursue wholeheartedly. So let's go for it together. Of course, an important part of doing life with the Holy Spirit is not only that we receive from him, receive that Holy Spirit, but that actually we allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us. I think one of the dangers in our sort of consumerist society is that we can look at our um, ministry of the Spirit as a bit like uh, sort of an energy drink, like a sort of spiritual V. We come to church, we get topped up, and we um, go out again for the week, and we come back again on Sunday. Now, on one level, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fantastic. He's giving us life. Um, but at the same time, if we're not flowing that out, we're stagnating. The, the Samaritan woman, after her encounter with Jesus, went straight into the town and just told everyone about it. And many, many people came to faith. I love that because that would have been incredibly hard for her. She was shunned, she was ostracized, but she went full of faith and boldness in the same way that we can go in faith and boldness. Because God sends Jesus. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sends his church. That's you and me. We are sent in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are a church that's already flowing, so we can celebrate that. So let's continue to pray for each other. Let's continue to minister to one another. Let's continue to encourage each other in our spiritual gifts. 
and give and receive prayer ministry in the power of the Spirit. We need to be really intentional about doing this and pursuing a life of the Spirit within our community because we're not going to get it out there. It's not like the corner shop where you can pick up a V. On that note, um, a really easy way that we can get that flowing going if we're um, not feeling it at the moment um, is through prayer ministry. And I um, am overseeing prayer ministry, as I said, and I'm actually starting a new prayer ministry team. And uh, we're going to be having a training night on Monday the 10th of November at 7.30 in church. Um, I would love to invite you all to come and to get involved in praying for one another in the power of the Spirit. So it's Monday the 10th of November at 7.30. Like the Samaritan woman, we all have opportunities as well to speak life and hope to people in our everyday lives, outside our sort of normal church community here. And this is where our impact has always worked out, isn't it? Connecting with neighbours and colleagues, um, inviting people to services and the life course. We're a church that's already flowing in lots of these things. By the way, the life course is going fantastically, and people always come to faith on that. It's really exciting. Getting out there and praying for people is so important. We commissioned a whole new host of street angels last week, didn't we? Which is brilliant. So well done if that's you. We support the Guildford Food Bank. Not to mention overseas missions and ministries, of which we support um, absolutely masses. These are just a few examples, um, but there are many more already flowing. And to be honest, there's always room for more. I would love to see that just flowing and flowing and flowing, just getting out there. So as we go forward into this next phase, we need to flow and not stagnate. We can't do life without the Holy Spirit flowing in and through us, both as individuals and as a church. So my third point is, when we encounter the Holy Spirit, we can't do life without him. So as I finish, I'm urging all of us I'm urging me, I'm urging you to be people who individually pursue encounters with the Holy Spirit. Let's be a church who corporately pursue encounters with the Holy Spirit. Let's be people who invite the Holy Spirit to meet us as we are, where we are, with honesty and openness. Let's encourage and allow him and others to know us inside out. Let's get to know each other inside out. Let's acknowledge we can't do life without him and embrace the living water he offers each of us. If we go for it, then I am confident that our lives, our friendships and relationships, our church will be places of real encounter and the impact on those people around us in Guildford and beyond will be utterly extraordinary. Amen.